Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Why don't you open your Bibles again, if you would? I hope if you bring your Bible, a lot of people use phones now and stuff. I study more now out of my computer than ever before, only because right there I have access to not only the Greek and the Hebrew, but I have access to different translations that, that uh, bless me and inspire me. Praise the Lord. And um, so anyway, Matthew, the fifth chapter, you know, we've been doing this series. And I don't want you to become weary. I don't, I don't think you are. The fact that we've been, we started this series quite a while ago on the subject of the Sermon on the Mount and uh, going through all of the Beatitudes, and we're really on our last one. And... Um, And we're going to begin there tonight, reading verse 10. I'll just start of the King James. Jesus said, Jesus, of course, speaking uh, uh, and instructing the multitudes and uh, and, uh, specifically his disciples. He said to them, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, you can be persecuted for unrighteousness sake, you know. But when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, God graces you to get through whatever being persecuted from. If you agree, say amen to that. That's true. Amen. And um, we're going to read some different translations as we share this scripture. The, um, verse 10 out of the New Living Translation says, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. Now, we all know, every one of us know and have experienced the fruit of doing wrong. Thank you. Praise the Lord. I got scared there for a moment. I thought I didn't have anybody who could relate to that. Amen. But to do right is what blesses and glorifies God. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs, those who are persecuted for doing right. God blesses you when people mock you, persecute you, lie about you, say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Amen. In Jesus' day... It wasn't the Roman government, nor, were it was, nor was it the sinners that gave him his greatest challenge. It was actually those of his own family, his friends, his relatives, and especially those in the church. In that day, it was called the synagogue. Amen. <clears throat> I'll share a little bit at the end, but <clears throat> 41 years of ministry. We've been here now 41 years and in uh, and, and, uh, and a couple of months, and um, it's, it's never, ever been a situation, a problem. We've never had a problem ever, ever, ever with the community. Never with the governing factors of the community. You know, never with any of the officials. Uh, but only those within the church body. And that's really sad. Say that's sad. No, it really is. Because we need to recognize who our enemies are, and our enemies are not one another, as we'll see as we go on here tonight. Verse 12, verse 10 through 12 out of the Passion Bible. How enriched you are when persecuted for doing what is right. For then you experience the realm of kingdom's heaven. How blessed you are when people insult, persecute you, speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. So leap for joy. After 51 years of ministry, I still haven't got that down. (laughs) Leap for joy. 
since your heavenly reward is great, say heavenly reward. For you are being rejected the same way the prophets were before you. Someone said this, and I wrote it down. He said, courageous men or women are those who are willing to face adversity head on, no matter the personal cost. Courageous men and women are those who are willing to face adversity head on, no matter the personal cost. And in Hebrews 11, we're not going to turn there tonight, but gives us a small list of both men and women who faced great adversity. Amen. I mean, unbelievable things. In fact, when you read it, I mean, uh, what they endured to not denounce their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ was beyond our imagination. Some are still doing that today, which we'll share in just a few moments. And they never considered the personal cost. They gave it all, including their lives. The disciples didn't have a clue This is so good. How the spiritual atmosphere would drastically change when Jesus departed from them. I'm talking about for the worst. They didn't realize what the cost would be, yet they were willing to pay the cost. Yet none of it deterred them from their mission of taking the gospel to the world around them, even at the cost of their own lives. And I thought, may the 21st century church gain that kind of passion when it comes to our calling, which is called the Great Commission. Now, really, and I'm, not, I'm just simply saying this, and I say it because I believe it's a problem nationwide, that the church has been in a spiritual slumber, and I'm crying out to God that he will awaken us to our calling. Please agree with me by saying amen. Even if it may be yours already, I pray that I'm talking about a spiritual awakening. Now, in Matthew, the fifth chapter here, Let's continue. Jesus said in verse 13, your lives are like, now this is why there's spiritual warfare in our lives as believers. I just want you to know why. Your, your lives are like salt among the people. But if you, like salt, become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. Your lives light up the world. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. Amen. 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 How many want your, especially your family, to benefit from your light? Amen. 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 That's what God wills for us. Not only your family, but your community. The place you work. The place you shop. Hallelujah. We, We are... And want to be a light in a world of darkness. If you agree, say amen. Amen. And who? He goes, uh, okay. Uh, So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that your commendable works will shine as light upon them. Then they will give their praise to your heavenly father. And whether we like it or not, as Christians, we are... We have an adversary that's going to do everything he can to make sure that our lights don't shine in this world. And really, that is why we're here. We're here for this reason. Years ago, I said this. We, we were created from God for God. And I just want you to know that. We were created from God for God. And that is our duly responsibility as believers is to grow in our walk with God 
so that our light becomes brighter, meaning our character, right? Our character, especially when we're under pressure, reflects the nature of, and the attributes and the personality of God himself. If you agree, say amen to that. This is what God wills for us. Amen. And the devil is going to do everything he can to stop that. He did so in the first century church, and he's going to do so in the, this, this, in the, in the days we're living in. The church has never, ever, ever prospered. I'm not talking about the prosperity that you're thinking about. The church has never prospered except under great adversity. I mean, it's true. The history of it proves that. So maybe we are at a time in history to which the atmosphere around us will force us into a closer relationship with Almighty God, into a place of prayer like we've never prayed before, so we can see God move like we've never seen before. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Could be. Paul, writing to Timothy, said this, but you, Timothy, certainly know. Uh, Oh, but you, Timothy, certainly know. You know, Timothy, what I teach, how I live, and what my purpose in life is. Timothy, you know my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. Sir, uh, you know, Timothy, how much persecution and suffering I have endured. And all Paul ever wanted to do was convert people to Christianity. That's all he wanted to do, to love people, to encourage them to know the Savior. And so there was a target on his head because of that. Mm -hmm. So you know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconian, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from it all. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. And yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, hardship, adversity. It's just part of the journey. I want you to know that. It's kind of good probably that you didn't know what I was preaching on tonight. That's why you came. No, No, I'm just kidding you. But it's really true. We think when we face hardship that we're doing something wrong. But how about, hallelujah, because we're doing something right. And that we are practicing the love life, the faith walk. Can I have an amen? Amen. We're practicing the the life of long-suffering, especially when it comes to our relationships with one another. Psalm 34, David, from personal experience, he said this, many are, and we've quoted often, but many are the afflictions of the, many are the afflictions of the righteous, those that, that think right, live right, talk right, and do right. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of the Lord, uh, out of, uh, I like this, but the Lord delivers him out of, not always from. Not always from. He said he'd take you through the waters, not above the waters, through the fire, not around the fire. And sometimes that can be very scary. The word affliction, many of the afflictions, the word affliction means adversity, calamity, distress, harm, mischief, misery, sorrow, trouble, vexation. So why does the 21st century church think that they are immune to personal sufferings for carrying their cross. I mean, the cross itself denotes suffering, personal suffering. In Luke's gospel, Jesus set the spiritual standard for a life committed to him. Now listen to this. We've read it before. If any person wills to come after me, I mean, Jesus, the masses, crowd, the masses would follow him. 
and specifically at this moment when he quoted that, they turned around and walked the other way. He knew how to get rid of a crowd. If any person wills to come after me, let him deny himself. Say self. self. Amen. Disown, disown self. Forget and lose sight of self and his own interests. Refuse and give up self and take up his own cross, his own cross daily. Say daily. Daily. And follow me, cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living, and if need be, in dying also. So we don't want to die, we want to live. But to live, you're not to be willing to die. We've talked about that through the years. For someone to live, someone has to die. The Passion Bible says, if you truly desire to be my disciple... You must disown your life completely, embrace my cross as your own, and surrender to my ways. Wow. For if you choose self-sacrifice, giving up your lives for my glory, you will discover true life. But if you choose to keep your life to yourselves, you will lose what you try to keep. For someone to live, someone has to die. It was true then, it's true now. It's true in regards to living a selfless and fruitful Christian life. You're going to have to be willing to die. It's true in regards to preserving an enduring and lasting marriage. A marriage, a marriage, and we all applaud. If you reach your 25, your 30, your 40, oh, Lord Jesus, if you reach your 50, you must be on drugs. <laughs> no, actually, you just simply learned that death requires such a sacrifice. And it's not funny because we have way too many divorces today in the Christian community. And the only reason is, is because we are so full of self. And it's painful, but it's true. When I look at my family, and I give all the glory to God, but I give much credit to my precious wife. She raised our children. For the most part, I was there. But there could be no greater reward than when I lay down my head and my, all my children are serving God. Amen. No greater reward than my grandchildren are serving God. For that to happen, someone has to die to self. Can I have an amen? So it's true in regards to raising a God-fearing and God-loving family. And it's true also in having a healthy, sound, and strong church family. If you want to have a healthy church, you have to be willing to die as a person because the people around you sometimes will frustrate you. I'll never remember years ago, and it bothers me to this day. We had a family in our church. They were great givers. I mean great givers. We're talking about great givers. And she came up to me and says, if you let my sister sing in, in, the, in the worship center, we won't come back here anymore. That's how much contention there was between two born-against-spirit-filled people. That's sad, isn't it? Come on now. But these are the things we deal with on a daily basis amongst family. Listen to this. This life's journey has never been about heaven on earth. Listen to this, but rather hell on earth while endeavoring to get sinners into heaven. It's why I'm deeply troubled 
I don't say much about it, but I am. I'm deeply troubled with the prosperity message and how skewed it has become because it's all about self and how much we can collect. And it's really true. And I'm not talking about, I'm, I don't, you, uh, most of our people in this church are not quote unquote wealthy, financially wealthy people. And that this church is very, is strong financially because you make the sacrifices that are required of you as a believer. Amen. Why don't you give your own selves a good clap offering and give God praise. I'm just, I'm just simply saying, for a church like this to thrive, someone has to make a sacrifice. We, we just simply quit robbing banks a few years ago, so it's really a blessing to have people that want to give or recognize the value of your church. Amen. One day, Pastor Vic and I will walk away. Not, I mean, not completely, but walk away in the sense of lead pastors of this church. Praise God, it'll continue to grow. I'm, expl- I'm expecting it to even explode and become greater than it's ever been. Amen. But only because all of us have made the self-sacrifices required. Because we can get offended about many things. I've been pastoring 41 years. 41 years and have surely things I've said and, and, and mourned over, things I've said from the pulpit, you know, just little quotes, some stupid stuff that, you know, have offended people and hurt people. But uh, nonetheless, Jesus, the Bible says the things he preached offended people. And I'm not looking forward to offending people. But we do because we're just human people like anybody else. So I'm deeply troubled about the prosperity message. Why? Because it's mostly about collection of things. When the church's spiritual assignment has never been about the collection of things, but the collection of souls. So we got to keep that in perspective. How many want to increase financially? Raise your hand. Of course you do. You'd be stupid not to. But for his glory and for his kingdom, not for ours. And you can only have so many things, so many, so many cars, so many houses, so many, and yet it gets, you know, if you're not careful, that's all we're obsessed with. They're coming out with a new Ford. Pastor Vicki told me she was watching something on her phone. They're coming out with a new Ford pickup. It's 106000 We told somebody that, and they went, wow. I said, yeah, I ordered one. <laughs> No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Just, just. But if you like to give me one, I'll drive it. <laughs> I probably offended somebody there, so carry on. <laughs> Let's talk about self-sacrifice and suffering for a moment. And as of today, because it's hard to connect to, you know, really what Jesus was saying in his day, because they really did lay down their lives to advance the kingdom. But here today in the Middle East... You know, not too many years ago, we watched one of those a dozen believers on their knees and be, being beheaded because they would not forsake uh, their love for Christ and yield to the religion at that, at that moment that was being demanded of them. So today in the Middle East, it's, and this is true in the Middle East, especially in the, and I'm not saying, don't ever look down on a Muslim. There, there are precious people that need Jesus just like any other sinner. Can I have an Amen. I'm just bringing this up. In the Middle East, they pay a great price to confess their faith in Jesus Christ. 
It is a proven fact that not only do they face death threats on a daily basis, it is a proven fact they said that they have to pay higher taxes in their communities. Their kids are picked on and persecuted in public schools. Many of the women are raped, beaten, and young girls and boys are taken as sex slaves. So they understand the true cross. Uh, they understand what it means to take up their cross and follow Jesus. But but yet, because of their self-sacrifice, we know through ministries, other ministries, that many many practicing Muslims are turning to Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So let's give God the praise for that. So don't look down. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't look down? In fact, he looked up and said, "God, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing." Come on, everyone. Yeah. Same in these countries. They are just a product of their environment. When, you are, when, you, when, you're, when your whole life from the time you're tiny, growing up, uh, infiltrated with hatred and hatred, and, and people in the United States are, you know, and all of a sudden, you, you, right? You're just growing up to carry out what you believe is true, which is not true. Here at home, I just uh, looked up, this guy's name is Jack Phillips. He was the gentleman who, him and his wife owned Masterpiece Cake Shop. And they, uh, a couple, uh, gay, a gay couple came in and wanted to order a cake for their wedding. And their spiritual convictions, uh, uh, you know, yours, yours may be different. But don't, don't get on somebody just because their convictions are different. They felt in their hearts uh, that they couldn't do that. And so what happened, they, they, they fought. It took them all the way to the Supreme Court to fight for their own religious convictions that they could express their own religious convictions and carry them out. And they won that. But I'm telling you, it, what did it, it, I mean, it was, it was an immense time of suffering, emotional suffering, financial crisis to, to walk that out. But they were willing to pay the price. And, and I looked it up today. They're, they're still operating and doing good. In fact, he wrote a book called The Cost of My Faith. You can look it up. John, uh, Jack Phillips, The Cost of My Faith. So he writes a about it, you know, but again, you know, we're living in this kind of world that you, you better, you better walk close to God because, you know, there's always a lawyer ready to sue you for something. So many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. There's an Oregon couple who a couple from Oregon who were fined $135,000 for refusing to do the same thing. And they had to file bankruptcy and close down. I'm just saying, Christianity is being attacked today. So you better be strong and, and, and know how to endure hardness as a good soldier. If you agree, say amen to that. Amen. So it takes courage to live an upright spiritual life in the 21st century. But when you do, choose to do so, God will grace you for the journey. There's, uh, listen to this, Paul told Timothy in, in um, 2 Timothy 3, he said, understand this, Timothy, that in the last days will come or set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. Why? For people will be, well, people, for people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. Isn't that what Jesus said? Yeah. He said, you're going to have to lay down self if you're going to, Follow, uh, take up your cross and follow me. Self's going to have to be put on the altar. And I, you're here tonight because you put self on the altar. 
I'm, I'm serious about that. I know you came because you love the Lord, but you had to put self on the altar to come. Why? Because there's a thousand other things you could have done tonight. And I commend you for that. So does God. Anyway, the counterfeit trinity, tr- trinity, of course, is me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. And it's something that stands between us and, and the fulfillment of God's will. So Paul was warning the first century church or believers not to fall prey to the self-centered culture around them. And we're dealing with that today, a self-centered culture. It's all about pleasure. It's, uh, um, you know, uh, that, that's what it is. It's, uh, it's the feel good. That's why I don't like the feel good message. I don't like the candy-coated message of Christianity. If you want to follow Jesus, it's going to cost you your life. But guess what? It's worth it because his rewards are eternal. Come on, everyone. His rewards are eternal. Hallelujah. And I'm winding this down. In Ephesians 6.12, Paul, again, writing a letter to Ephesus. Now, remember, the church at Ephesus obviously were having relational challenges. So Paul, really, from the first verse all the way through chapter 6, he talked, he's addressing the relational side of life. And really, that's what life is. That's where all spiritual warfare uh, is targeted towards, the relational side of life, okay? In verse 12, it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. If we could capture that, can you imagine the pain and the heartache we would avoid if we would just simply capture the fact that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, And on the other hand, wouldn't it be wonderful if the devil only used animals, you could sacrifice them? (laughs) Well, not today. (laughs) Peter Peter would be after you. But it isn't. That's not, it isn't, I mean, it isn't. Most of it, and I always say this because it really is true. The devil is not our greatest enemy. We are. We are. The person, when you look in the mirror, that person is your greatest enemy. And you know that. I'm not being down on you, but that really, isn't that true? It's our greatest battle is with us, personally. So what are we wrestling against? Principalities, King James says. Principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's where adversity uh, comes from. I love the Living Bible. Listen, look it up if it's on the screen here. For we wrestle, for we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood. This is so good. But against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princesses of darkness who rule this world, and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. So use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy whenever he attacks, and when it's all over, you will still be standing up. Hallelujah. So, my point in, I don't have time to teach on it tonight, though I really want to. I want to teach on the spiritual armor of God, because if the Bible says that you conquer your enemies by spiritual armor, then you better know what your armor is. And he he lists the armor, and and we'll go over that uh, at a later time, okay? But uh, uh, anyway, I wanted to read this little story in Daniel. Daniel was praying regards to uh, uh, prophetically uh, seeking the heart of God regarding Israel, okay? The times that he was in. So he was praying. Here's the story. Suddenly as he's praying, a hand, Daniel says, a hand touched me. This is Daniel 10, verse 10. Uh, which made me tremble on my knees. 
and on the palms of my hands. So he's on all four, trembling before God as he's praying because a hand touched him. I mean, if that happened to me at 5.30 on a Sunday morning, I better have to depend close by because that would scare the tar out of you. I know you're shaking your head. Pray for me, right? Pray for me. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, isn't that beautiful? Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now seen, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Of course he would. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before me, before your God, your words were heard. The first day, the first, say the first day. First say it again. When you petition God, God hears you at that moment. But his timing is not our timing. I heard you, man. And uh, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Watch this. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princesses, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. He was warring in the realm of the spirit against demonic forces, those that mentioned in Ephesians 6. Those, those, Those unseen, mighty, satanic beings that's, isn't that amazing that he was, he was warring against them and they were hindering him from getting through. So don't think the, the devil doesn't have power. Right. Look at the world today. The devil has power. I mean, in the sense of, uh, hey, he, he, he doesn't have any, any, any power in the sense of what you have in the authority of the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. So don't get afraid. Amen. He doesn't have but I'm just simply saying, there is warfare, and it's real. You have to recognize that. Other, why? Otherwise, what's going to happen is we end up destroying one another. And the devil laughs all the way to the bank as he watches us divide ourselves from one another instead of uniting for the cause of Christ. Amen. So... Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. Hallelujah. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. So he got the answer from the Lord. Somebody say hallelujah. Let's pick up again in Ephesians 6, verse 10. In conclusion, Paul says, be strong in the Lord. I love the Amplified. Be empowered through your union with him. Did you catch that? Be empowered through your union with him. How many here love God today? Tonight, you love the Lord with all your heart. Amen. So be empowered through your union with him. Hallelujah. Draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might provides. In other words, whatever you're going through, he will grace you with his power to get through whatever you're going through. And come up victorious on the other side. Can I have an amen? Put on. That's your part. No one else can put it on for you. Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy-armed soldier which God supplies, that you may be able successfully to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. And the most powerful piece of armor you can put on is the armor of faith, hope, and love. 
And the greatest of these is? Is love. Amen. We're not standing here after 52 years of, of uh, being together as a husband and wife and 41 years of ministry. We're not standing here uh, today um, still intact um, uh, because everything went well. What you have here tonight is a place of worship, a place of love, a place of growing because somebody paid the price to get you to this place. When I think about this building, 113, actually this year it's 114 years old, this building, I mean this part of the building, that part was uh, put out, the lower part of the educational wing was put on beginning in 1958 and then they added the other uh, second floor in 1972 I believe it was and with the gymnasium and then of course, you know, we, we took it from there. But somebody paid a great price and many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not in the thousands of people, their lives have been changed in this church building. Isn't that wonderful? But didn't come without a price. I wish I could have met the pastor and his wife, you know, who built this, this awesome facility. And we're going to continue to believe long after we're gone that this place will continue to change, be a place where you can come and be changed for the glory of God. Can I have an amen? First Peter 4 says, dear, this is Peter writing to the believers. He said, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And everybody say amen to that. I don't want to go into detail, just uh, it doesn't matter. It's not that. Uh, it, it, but in 1999, we went through a horrific a- attack on the ministry. Um, it, uh, an attack that literally should have destroyed every aspect of our lives and ministry. Except for God's love and grace. And um, it was horrific. And some of you are with us. Some of you, and that's why... Gary and Rhonda and others, uh, I could name names, were with us, battling that warfare. And it was tough. It was hard. I hardly slept for a, a solid year except for uh, help because of, of the immense pressure on our I'm not looking for any kind of sympathy or anything. I'm just simply saying any church. And, and in those days... And, <laughs> I mean, it affected everything, it was, it, especially our family. But in those days, do you remember, what were we doing in those days? We were on television with the best commercial. Not, yeah. Yeah. They were absolutely phenomenal, touching every, I mean, we were touching so many lives. I mean, we had, way, we would do the wave. We, we would do the wave, and I mean, the people would start the wave on the bottom and, and the top and then go to the bottom. It was just, I mean, the place was just thriving, and Satan had to stop that. Do you remember that? It was, we were reaching so many people for Christ. And I was talking to uh, a pastor. I said, is there something, is there anything is there anything regarding spiritual um, PS, PTSD. PTSD? 
He said, there really is. That the warfare becomes so immense that it scars you for the rest of your life. Not that you can't continue and preach the word, but uh, the warfare sometimes is so immense, it's, it's, it's just unbelievable. Uh, now, I'm only saying that to, to you here today because that was 20, that was, that was 1999. Uh, it was a tough year because my daddy died. Uh, we were, um, an unbelievable fabricated lawsuit was brought against me personally. It was I'm, I'm from one of my closest born against spirit-filled friends. It was just unbelievable what happens when the devil, when the people forget what they're wrestling against. It's crazy. And so, of course, nothing ever happened in regards to that lawsuit. And it was so sad because it, nothing happened. But the sad thing is the outcome of those that, um, you know, started that whole crazy thing. It's just crazy, the assault and the attack on people's lives when they get crazy. When they forget who their enemy is. Amen. But praise God, we fought the good fight of faith. Not easy, but fought the good fight. I commend the precious woman that stood by my side and the others of you that prayed for us and stood with us in spite of the craziness of that time. And, and yet, praise God. Hallelujah. I mean, now many more lives have been changed in the last 20 years. Why don't we give God praise and glory for that? So I'm just simply saying to you, it's just part of the journey. I don't, when I hear a pastor's attack, it, I mean, I literally, it breaks my heart. I don't even care if it's, I don't even care if they're the ones that are guilty. And what was so insane about that time in, in, in 1999 is that, I mean, we were never accused of uh, uh, marriage problems, never accused of um, immoral things in our lives, and never accused of, of, um, of um, uh, uh, wrong doctrine. Uh, you know, it, it was just a, a crazy fabricated assault that was uh, started and uh, what was so sad was that Christians and ran with it. Christians. Not the, not the mayor, not the governor, not the senators, not, I mean, not the store clerks, not, it was, it was here. Why? Because the gospel was being promoted, people's lives were being changed, and the devil said, we've got to stop this at all costs. Think of it. All Jesus did, all he wanted to do was come and show the Father to his people. That's all he, that's all he wanted to do. He, he healed people just to let people know that God cares about them. Amen. He, provided, uh, he provided food to, you know, 1,000, 15,000 people, uh, five loaves and two fishes because he wanted the people to know that God cared about them and would provide for them. No, you would think that there would have been thousands upon thousands of Jews around the cross mourning his death, but that wasn't the case. They even said at one point, these are Christians now. At one point, we are going to make sure those pastors go to prison. Even if we'd have been guilty of everything, why would you want that out of your heart for anybody? That's how crazy and loony we can become. 
When we step out of the spirit and get into the flesh, why would anybody want that for anybody? I don't want that for anybody. My point is, so, well, how do you prevail? Faith, hope, and love. That's how you prevail. The only way. Faith, hope, and love. And here's the deal about pastors who are true pastors. Come hell or high water, we're going to stay here and fight the good fight and keep feeding you with the manna from heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. This is my last verse. So let, this is Hebrews, I want to put that up there, Crystal. Hebrews 13. So let your character and your more, or moral disposition uh, be free from the love of money, including greed, avarice, or avarice. That simply means extreme greed for wealth, lust, and craving for earthly possessions. And that's something they had the same problems back then as we do today. And, and, and watch this, and be satisfied with your personal circumstances and with what you have. And back then, at that time when Paul's writing this, the church was very poor financially. Uh, very poor. Why? Because again, most of them were Jews. They lost their wealth. They lost their inheritance. They lost their name. They lost their, uh, all, any possessions that they may have had from their family. They lost it all for leaving Judaism to follow Christ. So the church was very poor. And yet, isn't that something in Corinthians? All the poverty gathered together and, and made a great abundant offering for the church at Jerusalem. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. yeah. So it is here. Anytime there's a need, we bring it up to you. I never hear people murmur. Never hear people complain. They just say, oh, Father, what would you have me do? They plant that seed. God multiplies it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, uh, yeah. And... Uh, becomes a great blessing. Not only to the ministry, but to you as well. For he, God himself, said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up or leave you without support. Can you say, thank you, Lord? He goes on and says, and this is the Amplifier, I will not, I will not, I will not, in any degree, leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you, excuse me, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is, let's, say, let's all read that out loud together. The Lord is my help will continue. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? Come on, give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 930, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.